are finishing out a series today that is called A Meal with Jesus. And we've been looking at the impact of Jesus' ministry because he went from meal to meal. He went from table to table. He went from drink to drink. He was one who came eating and drinking with sinners. And they were bothered by it. People, specifically the religious, were bothered by how he was always invited to the table or provided food or wine to those who were not in the religious elite club that they thought the Messiah would be favorable to. And so you have this series we've walked through leading up to our final talk today uh, that is called A Promise in a Meal. And it's interesting because we just sang about how Jesus rose from the grave. We just celebrated people being baptized, which they're identifying themselves, dying and raising again uh, to life. And uh, Jesus died and rose again three days later. And after he rose from the grave, what does he do with his disciples? Luke 24, 42 and 43 They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Immediately, he is there eating with his disciples again. It's crazy. The most beautiful promise in all of Scripture, the difference maker in all of Scripture, is that Jesus actually did go to the cross And he did raise three days later from the grave. And then he ministered to many of his followers. And this is the ultimate promise that he rose on the third day and that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Not just on Easter, but all year around. And there's something just cool about the fact that the resurrected Jesus is still going from meal to meal. He's still breaking bread with those who were his followers, to reveal himself. And so we continue today to be able to make an impact with people around a meal. We get to still share Jesus by just simply eating together, having conversation, and watching him move through that conversation. And today we're going to jump in, actually, to what leads up to those verses we just read in 42 and 43 of Luke 24. We're going to go back to the beginning and look at what happens when people who, maybe you could call it a very relevant passage to the culture we live in today. People who are walking away from hope, walking in disappointment and hurt and confusion. How Jesus interacts with them and leads them to understand who he is. And it's uh, known really as the road to Emmaus, the people who are on their way to Emmaus. But we're going to jump in and read the whole thing. It's quite a chunk here. Luke 24, starting in verse 13, says, That same day, so this is the same day as the resurrection, that same day, two of Jesus' followers, so it says, so let's just pause there. When we make a decision to give our life to Jesus at Open Life, and even on your Connect card, you'll see it says, I choose to follow Jesus. 
We just think that's the way it makes most sense to say, I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm choosing to follow Jesus. Here's two, these aren't two just distant observers. These aren't two people who have just heard of Jesus and that he was crucified. These are two of Jesus' followers. So they've spent time with Jesus. They've been learning from Jesus. They weren't just occasional people. So it says that same day, two Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. So long walk. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to, the, to be condemned to death. They crucified him. We'd hoped he was the Messiah. So we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of this followers were at the tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses, all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. And by this time, they were nearing Emmaus, the end of their journey, and Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to what? As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it, gave it to them, and suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. At that moment, he disappeared. That'd be freaky, <laughs> right? The bread, poof. What happened to the bread? Was it like, ooh, I don't know. It's just weird, but he broke the bread. Oh, no, he gave it to him, and then their eyes were open. So I was just having this moment of visual there. 32, verse 32. They said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us as he talked to us on the road, as he explained scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem, there they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Uh, then the two from Emmaus, 
told them their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread, as he was breaking the bread. I want you to think today. Do you know somebody like those walking to Emmaus that is walking, they're walking away from hope? Do you know somebody who's disappointed that Jesus didn't show up on their timing for whatever that need was? For whatever they anticipated. And maybe even they've walked away from the church. So that's the picture we have here in these two that are, they had hoped he was the Messiah. They're walking away in disappointment. They're walking away rejected. Their, their hopes dashed. And Jesus shows up. He shows up on the scene. Man, I didn't, it didn't take me long as a child to kind of fall away from everything I'd learned in the church. I may have been 10 to 13 years old or maybe even younger when our family stopped going regularly. We became like the Christmas and Easter family. And... Um, you know, there were reasons that I didn't know until after I had talked to my parents about it when I was in my 20s, but, you know, just not money for, for gas and different things. We lived on a farm that was far away from the city, and, and so we just didn't make it a priority to go to church. We would go on hikes. We would do other things as a family. We grew as a family, but we didn't grow in our relationship with Jesus, and that just gave way to teen years and all the things that happened. I grew farther and farther away from God, and, and so did our family and the actions of our family, so much so that it all became really fake, and I was very cynical towards things of religion. By the time I hit my late teens, early 20s, I was downright mad at Christians. I just thought they were all fake, and I wasn't a, a nice person towards them. I'd just say that. You wouldn't have liked me, probably. And, uh, or maybe... Like me, I'd be the very person you like. I love people who are just far from God or the understanding of God, and it gives me life to have conversation with them. I don't know what it is. It's the way I'm wired. But I was just like, the, maybe it's because I came from there. And I remember I was working on a cruise ship. So I'm 19, 20 years old, right in that zone. I'm working as an entertainment coordinator on a cruise ship in Seattle called the Spirit of Puget Sound. And uh, I'm a singing and dancing waiter and training others to do the same. Can you just see that? I need to bring back one of those routines for a Sunday, you know. Just get some jazz hands going, do a little chorus line, you know. And it'd be a blast. And you'd go, who is that guy? And uh, it was a crazy season of life and, and a wild place. And there was a, a couple gals that we had hired that were just, they were, followers of Jesus, and they kind of would find moments to share about the difference it makes in their life. It, it was kind of a weird thing, because I would, you know, be pretty, 
I would frequently mock them, you know, but yet it just didn't bother them at all. Almost like it's just like they just got why I did it. And they would continue every once in a while when it was the right timing to share through what I was going through, how Jesus made a difference in their life. And it bothered me how normal they were. Like they weren't like as weird as maybe my parents or the people like on TV that my parents watched. And I was just like, I was like, man, they're so normal, but they profess to be Christians. And that's not the Christianity maybe that I saw. And um, they would just kind of play a part that God had them to play in my journey to come back to Jesus. I remember one time we went to a concert, a bunch of us, uh, and, and those gals were the initiators of this concert. It was a Harry Connick Jr. concert at Chateau Shell Winery, uh, it, it, that, that place up there. And we were watching Harry Connick Jr. I loved his music. I idolized him as a musician, as a teen. And I was like, he gets up there with his dad in the middle of the concert and sings Amazing Grace and shares how he gave his life to Jesus as a teen because of his dad's influence. And I think back to the seeds that led me to finally walk through the doors of church and find Jesus. And that was one of them. That was a big moment in my life. See, these gals didn't force feed Jesus on me. They didn't come at me with a memorized technique, a pamphlet to read and pray about. They just did life right alongside me in when fitting, brought up in their life how Jesus had made a difference in something that was happening to my life, in their life. And they played a part in me eventually, making my way back through the doors of our church. I look at that and I'm so grateful now that they were just question askers, that they listened, and that when it was right, they made Jesus fit into the conversation. It's amazing because I was really not a, there was nothing in me or about me that should have made them think, oh, he'll be receptive to hearing about Jesus. Uh, if anything, it would have been like, don't talk about Jesus to that guy. But it got to me. It was amazing. I'm so grateful for it. And my prayer today, because I was one that was way, I, I, was, I was in Emmaus. I was far from Jerusalem. I, was, I had walked in disappointment. I had walked away from hope. I was far from God. And my prayer today is that we can take what Jesus did here in this passage and we could develop a passion to bring hope back and help people see in their disappointment how Jesus can still do something beautiful in their world. That we could think of those who are walking away or have walked away, and we could have a passion to pursue. Being a part of whatever part we are to play in their journey to find Jesus. That's like, what a privilege. What a privilege we get to be, just to play a part. Our big idea today, from this passage, and the deep encouragement it's going to bring us, is pretty simple. Jesus is the hope of the world. I mean, he's who's going to bring hope back. It's his rising from the grave. It's his going to the cross. 
It's, it's all about Jesus. And if we can keep our focus on him, some beautiful things will happen. Our culture says we had hoped, right? Just like these gentlemen on their way to Emmaus. It's our desire to revive hope, to bring an awakening of hope into our communities. Jesus promises the eventual restoration of everything. And he does that while sitting and eating and having conversation with people. That's what Jesus does. Jesus is the hope of the world and that through him, this dying world, this failing world is going to be revived. It's going to be resurrected, if you will, one meal at a time. And uh, we're not called to hide or hoard our faith. And I think sometimes in our culture, we can do that. With the hope we have, we can back off of sharing Jesus, specifically when we're around those that seem far from him. We're called to become a key part of people's journey. We're called to become a part of the fabric of our community and be the bringers of hope. We're supposed to be busy about what Jesus was busy about, seeking and saving the lost. And specifically, ultimately, those that are farthest from God. Like That's our passion button. We get to play a part in their journey. So how do we share this hope? That's what Jesus exemplifies here. The hope of Jesus is shared by his followers, and Jesus gives us some amazing insights. And the first one, the first thought here today is the hope is shared by walking alongside others as equals. See, Jesus didn't, didn't come preaching to those walking to Emmaus. He's like, hey, what you guys talking about? Seems pretty intense. He just asked a question. He didn't come and just start saying, hey, did you know that uh, sinners don't make it to heaven and we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Therefore, you need to confess Jesus as Lord, believe that he rose from the dead so that you will be saved. You ready to pray that prayer? Will you say yes? How's your salvation? Ask me if you know God. He wasn't, he didn't carry a banner. He didn't have a megaphone. He wasn't marching in protest. He's like, what's up? There's no script. Jesus gives these people on the road room to share their story, their pain, to speak about their disappointments. He didn't just proclaim to them. He listened. He embraced their doubts. And we must not fear others. In the book, A Meal with Jesus, Tim Chester says, we mustn't fear others' pain or hide our own, for Christ is with us even if we don't always recognize it. We walk alongside people on the Emmaus Road, not as victors, nor as people with all the answers, but as fellow human beings, fellow sinners, fellow strugglers. Otherwise, the rumor of resurrection will always sound incredible or glib. Okay, now if you're me, you don't know what the word glib means. I googled it, and uh, it says that 
it would seem too huge or it's unreachable. Um, it's like so big it's fake. It's like unreal. It's like selling snow to an Eskimo, right? It's like it's just glib. So it, if, if he just came with news, I've resurrected, it would be so strong that those on their way to Emmaus in their doubt, disappointment, lack of hope, it would have overwhelmed them. It would have been unbelievable. So he gave them time. God knew they needed time. They needed the walk. They needed the meal for this to catch and gain traction before he revealed himself. They needed to express their doubts. Man, this just might be where so many are at today. Right? And this might be where so many followers of Jesus are missing the strategy of sharing Jesus. We come in with a script in our mind of what we need to say to get somebody to ask us about Jesus. Instead of just having a meal together. We come in as people that maybe it seems like we have an agenda. We really don't want relationship. We really don't want conversation. We have a goal to find a follower of Jesus. And then it's like, man, you feel like a project, right, as an individual. We come in trying to rescue through pronouncement of Jesus as Lord versus relate through shared experiences. Sharing our hope through our doubts. And if we can learn to walk with people alongside, do life with people. Listen. Ask clarifying questions. Continue to listen until we can find a solution that is somehow found through Jesus. Man, if we can get that, I think incredible things will happen. One of the beautiful parts of this story is thought number two. That hope is shared by being shaped by the cross. Uh, ultimately, in this passage, Jesus shares Scripture. Like it says, he walks through with them. They didn't understand. He's like, you silly guys, you're not to- you totally don't get it. This has all been shared. From Moses through the prophets, it's been shared that Jesus had to go through these things. And he shares the Scripture with them. He doesn't share his thoughts. You know, they're saying, well, you know, maybe he- it-, it says he was a great man. He was a prophet in the eyes of, you know, people. We were hoping he was the Messiah. So we've looked at moments where people have asked, who is Jesus? And the disciples have said after a meal, you're the Messiah. So these followers of Jesus, maybe they hadn't got there yet to say, you're the Messiah. Because they were still calling him a man and a prophet. But they get to this point of disappointment They're walking along on this journey, and Jesus doesn't try to give them his thoughts about Jesus. He gives them the scripture because it holds the power to move hearts. And I know the culture we live in here in the Northwest now, maybe they don't hold scripture with like a bunch of authority, but they should. If they're educated, they know it's the most historically accurate book in all of literature. So you look at the reality that even from a historical standpoint, Scripture's a great thing to share our faith from. You can look at the cross and share the cross 
And this is something you have to choose. You can't deny it happened. The cross happened. The resurrection happened in history and time. And that makes us get to a place. If we approach faith through an intellectual standpoint, it puts us in a place where we have to make a decision. Am I going to follow this guy, Jesus, or am I not? This is history. This is actuality. This happened in time and space and place. The scriptures show us what living a resurrected life looks like, too. I mean, right here, Jesus is still eating and drinking with people. He's still going from meal to meal, and he reveals himself over a meal. So even after he raises, even the risen Jesus continues to reveal himself over a conversation over a meal. It's easy to get distracted by life and to lose focus of who God is. And just say, yeah, that's a good book. It's intellect. It's, it's, it's got some good teachings in it. It's got some great prophets. They spoke good to this world and put scripture or Jesus on the same plane as a Mother Teresa or Gandhi or others. It's, it's good to know. But that's not what Jesus is, is approaching here. Jesus is saying, I'm the savior of the world. And these guys on their way to Emmaus weren't processing whether his teachings were good or whether he was a good man. They were processing, can we still hold on to the hope that he was the Messiah? And we need to process the same today. Not only for us, but for those in our community. Because it makes a difference when you have Jesus in your life. When we're living by God's word, we're free to care for others the way Jesus cares for them. We're, we're free to sacrifice for others the way Jesus sacrificed. We're, we're free to celebrate their victories the way Jesus celebrated victory and gave us victory through raising from the grave. In the book, it says a couple quotes. The sign of the resurrection at work in people's lives is this. They understand what the Bible teaches about the cross and want to tell others about it. We are distracted by our careers, homes, holidays, gadgets, image, and investments. Jesus says... That one thing is necessary, to sit at his feet and listen to his word. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says this, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. I mean, so the reality is we know the word of God is good. But those that are walking in disappointment and hope... The scriptures are becoming foolishness to them. They're losing touch with the scriptures. But boy, if we can be those that will walk alongside with them, ask questions, listen, share in season, those very scriptures where life is found, we could be world changers to people's lives. The message of the scripture is that the Christ had to suffer and die in order to redeem. Only a dead Christ can redeem. Only Christ, who dies in our place, can redeem us from the penalty of sin. Christ's followers thought that the cross demonstrated that Jesus couldn't be the Messiah, but the scriptures show that the cross proves he is the Messiah. Yeah. How did they miss it, right? (laughs) We have the privilege of being on this side of time to be able to look back and understand this and hold the scriptures in our phone. 
Colossians 3 says in verse 3, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. That's our hope. When we choose to follow Jesus, this is where the message of the cross begins, is when we put our faith in him, that God sent his son to die for us. It's a great story, and it's made so clear in even Jesus' resurrection over breaking bread, sharing a cup with one another. It's crazy. Jesus walks these men on their way to Emmaus through the scriptures. He lets them discover the truths that they're willing to embrace. He calls them fools, which is crazy, so he's kind of bold, right? Oh, come on, that's foolish, guys. You know it says, and Moses said this, and the prophets said this. Come on, right? So he banters back and forth with them through the scriptures before revealing himself. He was patient. He was caring. He loved them enough to tell them and share the truth. So thought three. Jesus is the hope of the world, and the hope is shared through community. So what is that? Well, Jesus is known at the breaking of bread, at the meal table, sharing food with friends and enemies throughout the gospel. Christ is known in community. It's always in these community opportunities when he's sharing meal or multiplying the fish and loaves as we've read throughout his journeys and the different meals he did. It's like, it's always this, there's always people around. Jesus understood the value of community of others, of being present with people. It took many followers of Jesus to play a role in my own life in coming to Jesus. It took a community of people sowing seeds into my life from all the way back in high school when Bobby Braun told me that one day you're going to hit rock bottom and when you do, go to Shoreline Community Church and you'll be loved. A seed I never even thought, didn't even remember. I walked away from it and just went, right? And then I'm 21, I hit rock bottom. And what comes to my mind when I'm crying myself to sleep at night? Go to Shoreline Community Church and you'll be loved when you hit rock bottom. A seed. Who knew? Maybe Jesus was on his way to Emmaus and and he shared the scriptures with these people, broke the meal. Maybe it was just a seed moment. But he was the son of God and It illuminated their understanding so much of what just happened through the resurrection that they ran. They told Jesus, they went seven miles, right, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They told Jesus to stay with them, not because they, like, thought he was a smart dude. They knew it was dangerous to be out on the road at night. So they they were convincing him and pleading with him to stay for his safety. Yet after Jesus revealed himself to them, they left the meal and ran all the way back to Jerusalem. So that they could share the news that they had seen Jesus to the other disciples. I just look at this and go, man, it's, they, they knew the value of coming back and sharing Jesus with the community of followers of Jesus that were in the same season of doubt and disappointment. Jesus is made known through community, through meals together. And so our action point ultimately is share Jesus with others. When it all comes down to the end of this 
this series, sharing Jesus with others, is where it all leads to. And, and one of those strategies that we've seen Jesus use over and over and over and over and over again is a meal. That there's just something powerful in a meal and the hospitality and the service to others around it that illuminates the understanding of God's love for us. Allows opportunity for conversation which can illuminate the benefit of Jesus and a life serving him. An encounter with Christ is a call to action, to involvement, to participation. You can't remain a passive observer, right? We must be very intentional, become amazing listeners and question askers. We must sense timing. And these are all skills of being a follower of Jesus. Something we shared all the time when Open Life first began in 2010 is and still I'll say every once in a while to, to remind people is discipleship, which means helping somebody grow in relationship with Jesus. Discipleship begins with an introduction. God gives us the opportunity to meet people every day. And discipleship begins with that introduction. Man, are we going to be aware enough when we're introduced to our neighbor to remember their name? Are we going to be aware enough to listen and and know even just something we can pray for our neighbor? That's our emphasis for the whole year of 2017. It's being able to know our neighbors and pray for them. But beyond that, man, if we're great listeners, we're going to know how to share. We're going to know what part of our life we can join, what equal we can share and how Jesus has positively impacted our lives in that arena. There are so many opportunities for introductions. Discipleship begins there. The reason we're sent on mission, Tim Chester says in the book A Meal with Jesus, is that in all authority has been given to the Son. The world was without God, but now it's claimed in Christ's name. Like we're on mission because... This world was designed to be in right relationship with God, and Jesus is the way into that relationship. So maybe you're sitting there thinking, okay, I get it, Thad. A meal with Jesus is a strategy or whatever to share Jesus. But I'm still, man, when I go to share anything about Jesus, I can make a fool of myself really quickly, right? I just I can just stutter over my words. I get nervous. I don't know what it is. Well, here's something cool. The series that we're going to jump into next is called Lessons at the Well. We're looking at John 4 and the woman at the well and her interaction with Jesus. She was someone very far from God, but yet is also the only person that we can see in Scripture throughout all the Gospels that actually led her entire city to Jesus. What happened at that well? What was Jesus' interaction with her? And what are the lessons we can glean for ourselves to figure out how to more intuitively and intentionally share Jesus? So maybe your application to share about Jesus would be to make it to the next series and prioritize being present here or if you're out of town listening to the media archive on the app or online 
because you'll get the tools you need to be able to grow your ability to bring Jesus up in conversation. And I'm going to pray for you. We know that Jesus promised before he ascended into heaven that we're going to have all authority. We could go to the ends of the earth and share Jesus and he'll be with us and we have all authority and and don't have to doubt or fear, but we could share and lead people into all the teachings of Jesus to the ends of the earth. So we have this promise, but yet we still get fearful. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to cast down fear. I'm just, just going to pray that fear would be cast out and that we would have the courage to listen and the words to know, to say, to be able to, in season, bring in Jesus into the conversation and play our part in people's journey towards Christ. God, thank you that you sent your son Jesus to the cross, to the grave, and he rose from the grave so that we could have life, life to the full, not just eternally, but right now. We're able to live the gospel, the good news. I pray that, God, you would give us the understanding and the words to say when we're around others who need you or maybe are wandering on their own road to Emmaus and disappointment. Maybe they've lost hope. May you give us the words to say to to be able to relate with them on their own level, on an equal plane, to make you known to them, to make your hope known to them. May we bring hope back into lives in all of these communities. God, even as we look towards the next series to develop even more ability to share Jesus with others, I pray that, God, you will equip us and strengthen us and let us go in not with fear, but with confidence into conversations with others, into meals with our neighbors, into times of of hanging out in our front yards with people. God, I pray right now that you would speak into our lives and you would cast out the fears or intimidation we would have of sharing or being hospitable towards others you'd give us the courage to share from our own mistakes, our own doubts. May we play the part you intend us to play on mission with you in the lives of others. Bring people along our path who need hope, who are walking in disappointment, so that, God, we can breathe life into their world. For those who have come through the doors today and they've yet to embrace hope, They sense that they're somewhere on that road away from you. God, bring us back in this room today. I pray that we would all choose to follow you and go out from here realizing we can make a difference. No matter where we're at in faith, we can share what you're doing in our life and it will transform the lives of those who hear it. Send us on mission. Jesus' name, amen. If you want to share your prayer requests, your needs, maybe what Jesus is doing in your life on the back of your connect card. I encourage you to look at that now. The worship team's going to do a song. Jaden's going to close us out. But uh, uh, I just pray that you would have the opportunity to share and see it and have the courage to go after it this week.